It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Although it's wet and it's sticky and it's really gross. That's that's the word I can use to describe the weather this morning. It's gross. So if you don't have to hurry up out the door, don't hurry up out the door. But uh, it will clear up a little bit later on. Just be aware of that flood watch. Uh, and, and, you know, normally we hear that term and we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But after last week's rainstorm in which we saw flash flooding happen across the city, Take it seriously. Take it seriously and keep in mind that everybody else is stuck in it too. Don't don't blame them. Don't blame them for Mother Nature. It's like uh, Groundhog Day. Don't drive angry. So just be a little bit careful when you're out there this morning driving around. Of course, the big story yesterday broke uh, about mid-morning. The... UMass Dartmouth College of Visual and Performing Arts will not be holding classes this fall in the Star Store building. Now, if you are not familiar with that building, it is a former department store. It was, I believe it opened in the late 1800s as a department store. And for many years, it was the Star Store that everybody went and shopped at. Colleen, who calls in regularly, used to work there and served food there. Because, you know, super, uh, supermarkets. What are you thinking, Tim? Stop looking at Stop and Shop while you're talking. Department stores used to have the lunch counters. And so that was a place that a lot of people growing up in this area would shop at. And then it sat empty. Senator Mark Montigny spearheaded the effort to turn it into a UMass Dartmouth campus, to turn it into a place where the College of Visual Performing Arts could hold their classes And that really was the impetus for the revitalization downtown. It was certainly a major driving force in the downtown revitalization. And I want to examine some of the comments that were made yesterday. First of all, let me just say, I think that it's, it's ridiculous that it's not being funded after 20 years of it being funded, they've decided now to pull the plug on it, especially at a time when they have an opportunity to purchase the building, the Commonwealth does. Because of the original lease that was signed with the developer back in 2001, when the 20-year lease was up, which was 2021, they had the option to buy the building for $1. The Commonwealth did. Now, I guess the owner of the building, who I reached out to, I sent an email to yesterday, haven't heard back yet, but I guess the owner of the building was contesting that. I read that in in one of the reports online. 
So the owner of the building is contesting that. And that's why for the past two years, they've been working on an extended lease and not having purchased the building. The announcement came last summer that the state was going to be moving forward with purchasing the building, but that it hasn't happened as of yet. And this is an indication that it won't happen. So it, I would guess that that's part of this. I would guess that the fact that if the Commonwealth of Massachusetts purchased the Star Store building for UMass Dartmouth to utilize as a campus, they great. They pay a dollar for the building. Awesome. What a deal, right? Except all of the maintenance that needs to be done on that building then becomes the problem of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And from what Chancellor Mark Fuller was describing in his email, now I don't know, I haven't been in the building and seen all the ins and outs of everything that needs to be done, but he characterized it as something that would not be within UMass Dartmouth's financial capabilities to rehab and renovate the building as necessary. So the Commonwealth is looking at this and saying, well, it's not about the $2.7 million that we pay to lease the building every year. It's not about the $1 that we have to pay to purchase it. It's about the money that we have to invest in it in order to keep it a viable campus. And th- by the way, that's you know completely overlooking the fact that the owner of the building doesn't want to sell it to them for a dollar and is apparently trying to contest that. But let's just say that that was the deal that went forward. And Chancellor Fuller said in his email, even if someone was to gift us the building, we could not afford to take on the renovations that need to be done without burdening our students even more. And they're not just talking about the the CVPA students. They're talking about every UMass Dartmouth student. It would require an increase in tuition at a time when enrollment has been an issue. So I think that there's a lot of money behind the scenes involved in this and situations behind the scenes involved in this that have led to this decision. That aside, the blindsiding of this decision is absolutely ridiculous. The fact that we found out about this because Chancellor Fuller made the announcement that they were pulling the classes out, that this was not something that was discussed in the weeks and months ahead of time. As, as Councillor Brian Gomes said yesterday with, Brian, uh, with Barry, that we could have been working on a plan for months now. And, and who, who did know? Now, Councillor Gomes was questioning if the mayor knew about this. The mayor put out a statement a little bit later on. He was out of town, so it, it you know, took a little time to get the statement out. Same with Senator Montigny, took a little time to get the statement out. But in Mayor Mitchell's statement, he said he found out about it yesterday morning when Chancellor Fuller called him to tell him about it before he put out this email, I guess. So that's at least two key officials in the city that weren't apprised of what was going on. 
But the legislature knew what was going on. Although, as Barry questioned yesterday, maybe they didn't even read the budget. Maybe they're a month overdue for the budget, and they say, yeah, fine. And everybody just signs off on it. I don't know. I find that hard to believe. They probably had, if they didn't read it themselves personally, they had someone who works in their office read it. And someone in Senator Montigny's office should have said, um, you know your pet project that you pushed for and had done and that is one of your proudest moments in your time as a public servant? Yeah, that's all over now. So I'm sure we'll hear more from the senator. He put out a statement yesterday too. But I'm sure we'll hear more from him in the coming days and weeks. But what what can be done at this point? Can there be additional money found to support it? I think the question is, if you again, $2.7 million is what they would allocate for the leasing of the Star Store campus for UMass Dartmouth to hold classes there. If they came up with that $2.7 million, can the classes continue in that building? As Chancellor Fuller said in his email, we put the safety of our student and staffs, student and staff above to students. Anyway, you know what I mean? We put it above everything else. And so they're basically saying, is, is the building safe? So work needs to get done. The other part of it is, is this a negotiation ploy? Is this a situation where you've basically just buried that building now in the press to say, well, we don't feel safe putting our students in there, even if somebody was to give us the building? How does that look for any potential people that are going to come in and, and try to move into it? And it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to be a homeless shelter. It's not going to be a, a shelter for immigrants. It was, it was kind of, I don't want to say jokingly, but, you know, or even half jokingly, but it was kind of brought up by Chris and Marcus yesterday and people have just run with it. All the comments on Facebook are about, oh, great, this is, now this is going where they're going to house illegals. That's, that's not what's going to happen. First of all, the state doesn't want to buy the building anymore. They didn't go forward with that plan. Or, or if they do, the owner doesn't want to sell it to them. And if it's not going to be a campus for UMass Dartmouth, do you think that the owner is going to acquiesce and be like, yeah, you know what? We will sell it to you for a dollar, sure. The state is saying they don't want to spend the money on it to keep it as a campus. They're not going to spend the money on it to turn it into migrant housing. And the $45 million a month that's being spent to house and shelter and aid Immigrants is not the reason why they're not giving the $2.7 million to UMass Dartmouth or, or giving the $2.7 million to leases for UMass Dartmouth. 
they are not tied into one another. Anybody who tells you that they are is just pushing their agenda. If you are spending $45 million a month on aiding immigrants, you are not worried about the $2.7 million a year that you are paying for this building. $2.7 million. I don't want to say this in a way that seems cavalier. But it's kind of a drop in the bucket even for the city of New Bedford's budget. I know. I know it's a lot of money, and I get that. But when you look at the size of the city of New Bedford's budget, $2.7 million. If they had to pay $2.7 million for a school building every year, yeah, it, it's, it's tough, but it's, it's, not, it's not the end of the world. So now transpose that into the state budget. And then you realize to yourself, okay, you know, it really is a, a drop in the bucket. There's got to be another reason why that it's, it's not about the money. And that's what needs to be further explained. That's what we need more information about. So we need to know why, why the legislature doesn't want to fund the continued use of that building as a campus. And we need to get into the who knew what and when. And I think on the local municipal level, we found out that they were blindsided by it. The mayor, the city council, blindsided by it. How long has Chancellor Fuller known about it? Should he have been having more discussions with city officials about it? Or any of the other leadership at UMass Dartmouth. I don't want to just put it on the chancellor. Although he is the head of everything. And then the other part of it, and, and again, I don't want to belittle the importance of Star Store to downtown. I know what a gem it is, and I know how important it is to, to the lifeblood of what goes on down there. But I don't think that this is the, this is the demise of downtown New Bedford. It was the impetus for the buildup of downtown New Bedford. But downtown New Bedford has grown and flourished such that I think it can withstand the loss of Star Store, if that is the case, if it, if, if it isn't saved in some fashion. And, and downtown will be okay. I think the number was 116 students was, were planned to take classes there in the fall semester. 116 students. And let's say so... Let's just say there's 50 staff members there. You know what? Let's say there's 100 staff members there. So 216 less people downtown every day. I don't think that's going to destroy the downtown. I don't think you're going to see businesses shuddering over that. How many of them were, were going into the restaurants and going into the coffee shops and the retailers while they were down there. I'm sure, I'm sure, I know it's going to it's going to cause some businesses to lose some money. But I don't know that it's the end of downtown as we know it, which is the way it's kind of been characterized by some people. 
There's other things going on downtown that have been a, a much bigger problem. People's concerns with parking. The limit of parking has, I think, less people going downtown than the closure of the Star Store UMass Dartmouth campus would do. I can't tell you when we were talking about the parking situation a few months ago, I can't tell you how many people called in and said, I don't even go downtown anymore because I can't find a place to park and I can only, and I got to figure out what zone it's in and how long I can stay. And I'd rather just not go downtown at all if it means I have to pay to park. I think that's a ridiculous way to look at it. There's a lot of great things going on down there. And if you have to drop a quarter or two or three, what's the big deal? I mean, I've never had an issue with paying to park downtown. Granted, I'm not down there every day. If I was down there every day, say, as a worker, I might say, well, why do I have to pay? Or park at the garage and, and walk. But still, I think that's probably a bigger issue overall than the, the loss of the Star Store campus will be. Again, I'm not trying to belittle it at all. It is a loss. But I just don't think we need to start playing taps and say RIP downtown New Bedford. 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Tell me, can you ever stand the rain because you're gonna have to stand it for a little while longer it is uh it's raining out there it's wet it's muggy it's gross so uh if you can wait till later to leave the house i would recommend it but if you have to get up and go to work and get out there just uh just make sure you take it slow and thanks for waking up with us we appreciate it uh we also sent out emails to the winners of the nickelback tickets so uh if you didn't get an email you probably didn't win but if you did get an email, congratulations. And uh, the cool thing about that is, you know, we got some audio that we can work into the show here. And we're going to do that more often. We're going to ask you to kind of just tell us who you are, where you're listening from, and why you love WBSM. And you know what? Send me that anytime, and I'll enter you in. We'll, we'll pull one a week. I will enter you in to win a Seize the Deal restaurant gift certificate. Because I can do that. I've, I have a bunch on my desk I can just give away. So if you want to win, go to the WBSM app, leave us a voicemail, tell us your name, where you listen from, and why you love WBSM, and we'll enter you in. We can send one every week if you want. All right, now it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. 
The district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, says former President Trump was part of a criminal conspiracy to overturn the state's 2020 election results. Democrat Fonnie Willis said Trump has until noon next Friday to voluntarily surrender after he was indicted. Trump faces felony racketeering charges and more. Eighteen other people have also been charged in the case, including Trump's former lawyer and former New York City mayor Rudy Giuliani and former White House chief of staff Mark Meadows. A Florida group that normally helps people trapped in war zones has been helping with rescues and supplies after the Maui wildfires. Brian Stern with Project Dynamo in Tampa says they partnered with a helicopter tour company to get beyond roadblocks and reach survivors. We also did a lot of things on the ground all through Lahaina, uh, all up and down Front Street, all the affected area looking for people. Stern says they chose to go to Maui because of the logistical challenges matched those that would have followed Chinese military action against Taiwan. Project Dynamo is supported through individual contributions, and Stern says they have received no corporate sponsors. The suspected Gilgo Beach serial killer is off of Suicide Watch. Andrew Whitman reports. Officials say Rex Hewerman was evaluated before making the change in his status. He remains in isolated housing at the Suffolk County Jail in Riverhead. Hewerman was first placed on suicide watch immediately after his arrest on July 13th. Hewerman pleaded not guilty to murder charges and the deaths of three women whose bodies were found along Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach in 2010. He's been ordered to submit to a cheek swab to check his DNA for possible matches in the cases. Andrew Whitman, NBC News Radio, New York. A Montana judge is siding with young plaintiffs in a landmark climate trial. The judge ruled that the state's development of fossil fuels violates a clause that promises residents a right to a clean and healthful environment. This is the country's first constitutional climate trial. It's also a big win for young climate activists. The ruling doesn't stop mining or burning fossil fuels in the state. The state's attorney general says, quote, this ruling is absurd. There are conflicting reports over whether a Texas congressman named Ronnie Jackson created a scene during a medical emergency at a rodeo. Jackson's team says the former Navy doctor rushed to action when he saw a girl collapse on July 29th. But the Carson County Sheriff claims that Jackson yelled profanities, threatened his job, and also threatened to beat up a state trooper. The incident report also says that the Republican Jackson was drinking alcohol backstage at the event, a claim Jackson denies. And the rapper Magoo is dead at 50, also known as Melvin Barcliff. He was best known as one half of Timbaland and Magoo. That's according to the Virginia Chief Medical Examiner. Magoo met Timbaland as teenagers in Norfolk, Virginia, and continued on to release three albums and established the hip-hop scene in Virginia. His cause of death is not yet known. In sports, the Boston Red Sox are ready to begin a new four-game series. This time, it's against the Washington Nationals in D.C. Tonight's game begins at 7.05 p.m. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. We have a flood watch until noon for our area. Expect that heavy rain moving through with some heavy winds at times. Now, as we head into the afternoon, it's going to be more drizzly, cloudy with some afternoon scattered showers. We'll reach a high near 74. 
as we head into the overnight. It's going to be mostly cloudy and humid. We could see another spot thunderstorm passing through low of 65. Tomorrow, just a few spot showers, humid, high near 78. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 72 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Starting the South Coast off right each morning. It's a beautiful morning. It's the Tim Weisberg Show. Weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. right here on WBSM. to talking about ghosts and history and sandwiches, right? Uh, So if you haven't heard the news, the plans for replacing the Bourne and Sagamore Bridge have not gone according to plan. Uh, There's been numerous proposals to do so, and none of them have been pushed forward. However, uh, Governor Healy has announced a new plan to replace the Sagamore Bridge first, and then use that program, that that plan, as the model for replacing the Bourne Bridge down the line. The idea is that the Sagamore Bridge is the one that is more heavily traveled, and so that one would be taken care of first. And if that's the case, if they do get that done, there's no timeline as to when the Bourne Bridge would get replaced. So it's... it's uh, I get it. I get the need to replace them. And certainly you have to look at the way that it will alleviate some of the traffic issues because you you basically bottleneck a three-lane highway into a two-lane roadway on one side, you know, if you're going toward the Cape and then the on, on the Sagamore Bridge. And then the other part of it is those two lanes you know, really shouldn't be driving side by side on them. People do, but it's it's meant to be a travel lane and a passing lane. So you're really technically down to one lane on the bridge. And how many times are you really down to one lane on the bridge? So to have a wider bridge that would accommodate for more, first of all, more lanes of traffic, but secondly, to accommodate for the wider vehicles of today, because when that bridge was constructed, It was the 1930s when they planned those bridges and and constructed those bridges. Vehicles were a lot different than they are now. You know, you could you could get your Model T over there. I know I know the cars were a little bit bigger than a Model T then. But so the the roadways haven't really changed as the vehicles have. Now, the good thing is, is, you know, you could the incline. Isn't as bad on modern vehicles as it must have been. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine 1930s cars trying to get up up that incline. 
when I would be on it on my motorcycle because my motorcycle was only a 650. That probably wasn't the best purchase for a guy like me, but, you know, I bought it from my brother-in-law, so it was cheap. And me, all 200 and whatever pounds of me, trying to get up that bridge on a 650, it, it, it struggled. It took a while. Cars were honking behind me. So I can only imagine what it was like in those those older cars. But if they're going to replace that bridge and have that alleviate some of the traffic, at least that's a step in the right direction. Now we're still talking about years out if it even get if this plan even gets approved and goes forward. But then I would say, you know, you you need to have a plan date to do the same thing for the Bourne Bridge at the same time or else people are going to be seriously up in arms about this. They didn't they didn't build one bridge when they built them. They built both bridges at the same time. So I think people would expect them to get replaced at the same time as well. But at least it's a plan as opposed to having to deal with bridges that are functionally obsolete and have really have people concerned about their safety going forward. Because they're not... Do you have a lot of confidence driving over those bridges? Do you have a lot of, I mean, or do you hold your breath and be thankful when you get to the other side? Now, granted, they're not in any danger of falling into the canal anytime soon. But they also don't inspire a lot of confidence either, especially when you're up there and it's windy and they're shaking around, although I'm I'm sure any bridge is going to do that. In fact, uh, was it the Verrazano Bridge? I saw a video of it, how it basically undulates in certain weather conditions and, and and all I could remember was driving over that with with my friend Stephanie who does not like bridges and I'm like oh I'm so glad she didn't see that video before we went over that bridge but if you've ever been up on those bridges and it's windy or if it's windy enough that they've had to close them I've been stuck on the cape when they've closed the bridges I'm like well what am I supposed to do how am I supposed to get home but thankfully they didn't keep them shut down for very long Yeah, so one bridge is the current plan. The Sagamore Bridge is the current plan. And then hopefully getting both done. The state has already included $262 million in state money toward replacing the Cape Cod bridges in the fiscal year 2024 capital investment goal with the goal of ramping up to the governor's long-term commitment to $700 million in total. If you want to throw $2.7 million of that toward the Star Store, we wouldn't complain. But, but the idea is, you know, we've, we've got to put up significant money here in Massachusetts for this project to get done. That's not all of the money. We still need a lot of money from the federal government to get it done, but at least it shows that we're, we're willing to put up part of that commitment. So let's, let's see if this plan has any, any legs more than the previous plans that have crashed and burned. 508-996-0500. Let's take a break and return in a few moments. Oh. Sweet to love her and make slow. 
Welcome back in. That is the artist formerly known as Terrence Trent Darby, now known as Sananda Matreya. And uh, he's, you know, the, the name has no religious significance or anything. He didn't convert religions or change his name because of his religion, although it is Sanskrit based. Uh, he just decided one day that Terrence Trent Darby was dead and this was his, his identity. Uh, he's also claimed at times to be a space alien, but... Uh, Still a, a great singer. And, and the opening of that video, the best artist entrance into a video of the 80s, in my opinion, the way he slides into the frame. And it's a great song. 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in, we were talking about the Star Store, the fact that UMass Dartmouth will not be holding classes there this coming spring, uh, fall semester. There's... Calls from both Counselor-at-Large Brian Gomes, who you heard on with, with Barry yesterday. And if you missed it, you can hear the podcast at WBSM.com on the app and wherever you get your podcast from. And Counselor Gomes called for an emergency meeting. He's actually filing a motion at this week's council meeting on Thursday requesting that all of the principals involved get together and, and hold an emergency meeting to talk about how they can have classes there this fall and going forward. And Mayor Mitchell, in his statement, which uh, which came out a few hours later, also mentioned, you know, the need to, to get together with the governor on this and try to figure something out. But I, I still have questions. I still want answers as to why, first of all, why weren't we told that this was happening? Why weren't the leaders of the city told that this was happening? The mayor, the council, they both found out yesterday. And and I don't think anybody informed the council. I think someone informed Councillor Gomes about it. Said, hey, look at this email that the chancellor just sent out. Mayor Mitchell said, I might be wrong, but I'm, I thought that's how he characterized it to Barry. Mayor Mitchell said that he only found out about it because the, the chancellor called him yesterday morning and basically was like, hey, I'm going to be releasing this email with this information. So why were they kept in the dark? Why, why isn't it being funded? If it's $2.7 million for them to lease the building, why is that an issue? And is it because of the maintenance? Chancellor Fuller mentioned it in his email. Even if somebody was to gift them the building, they would not be able to do the, the renovations and the upkeep and the maintenance that the building needs. There's also some regulation in the state laws that if the state doesn't own the building, the state won't pay to do the repairs. So if, if they want to rehab the building and fix all the issues that are there, they have to own the building. They were supposed to buy the building for $1 when the lease was up in 2021, but it appears that the owner is holding back 
and, and challenging whether or not he does have to sell it to them for a dollar. I don't know that for sure. I just read that in some of the reporting. And I have emailed the owner, but I haven't heard back from him. So if he's listening, maybe you want to just reply to that email and let me know exactly or, or call in and let me know exactly what the situation is. But if that's the case, I mean, what are you going to have going on now? Who's, who's, who's going to be in the building? Are you going to, do you have people that want to lease it out? Do you have someone who wants to buy it for market value or more than a dollar? So I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered on this. Sketty in New Bedford says, good morning, Tim. Real good report. Really good reporting this morning. It cleared up some questions. It was a bombshell yesterday. Enjoy your day and enjoy every sandwich. Well, you're right. It was a bombshell. And I wish I was answering some questions here, but I think I'm just asking more questions than we have answers for, at least at this point. So we'll get them eventually, I would think. But it's convenient that this comes, this announcement comes when the budget was signed last week and the budget was signed last week without this funding in it. The announcement comes when Senator Montigny is on vacation. Senator Montigny, who spearheaded the effort to turn Star Store into a UMass Dartmouth College of Visual Performing Arts campus. And when Mayor Mitchell is out of town. Now, I'm not saying there's anything nefarious in there, but the timing is suspect. And the, the chancellor made a, a very good argument as to why the school has to pull out, out of the star story. And it makes sense. It makes complete sense what Chancellor Fuller wrote in his email. That the school can't afford what needs to be done without having to raise tuition and burden the students on it, for it. But the rest of it doesn't make sense. Why it had to get to that point doesn't make sense. 508-996-0500, back in a few moments. <laughs> in your head for the rest of the day you're welcome that's a great song though m that's his name just m the letter m m created a true classic there i remember when m uh u2 was on the pop tour uh the pop mart tour in 1997 when the pop album came out and i went to a couple shows on that tour and they would open up the shows with a 
like a remixed version of that that would just really like kind of build up to a crescendo. It was, it was pretty awesome. So, and also speaking of the uh, the music that I'm playing this morning, Sully and Akushan had sent in an app chat message. Terrence Trent, Terrence Trent, that is a great video and song. Wishing well, one of my favorites from the '80s. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do some uh, you know some 